My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. May I speak in the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. When I was in confirmation class as a teenager, we had a Bible memorization challenge, not unlike the one that Miss Vicky runs for our kids here at St. James. But unlike Miss Vicky's challenge, where there's a verse per week and the person who memorizes the most verses wins and gets their name on a plaque just outside Sunderland Hall. In my church growing up, we were simply asked to memorize one verse, a verse that meant something special to us. Now, I wish I could stand here today and tell you the verse that I picked, but I have absolutely no idea what verse I memorized. What I do remember, though, is the verse my buddy Rick picked. You see, Rick had older brothers in confirmation, and so Rick knew that this assignment was coming, and Rick was and is a smart guy. So when he got the assignment, Rick got to work and found one of the shortest verses in all the Bible. It's actually a verse that happens to appear in today's Gospel reading, which is what made me think of this story today. In the translation we use, it's four words, but in the old King James Version, it's only two. Rick had done his homework. And so when the time came for us to share our verses, and it was Rick's turn, he stood up and he cleared his throat and he proudly shared John, chapter 11, verse 35. Jesus wept. It was the kind of stunt perfectly designed to get a laugh from the kids and an eye roll from the teachers. And I'll confess, I was a little irritated at the time that he'd gotten off so easily. But as I read that gospel again this week, sheltering in place and watching our governor day by day give updates about coronavirus in our city and our state, I began to think that Rick may have been on this for while John chapter 11, verse 35, may be one of the shortest verses in all the Bible, Jesus wept, Jesus began to weep. It may also be one of the very most important verses. For with those simple words, we proclaim a truth that is at the heart of the gospel, a truth that we desperately need to remember today, which is that Jesus reveals to us the heart of God, and the heart of God can and does break. Our God is not far off or uncaring. Our God is not some distant, cold, calculating watchmaker who sets in motion the creation and then leaves it be. Our God is close in. In the incarnation of God, in the person of Jesus Christ, our God comes close in enters our life, and embraces our humanity fully. For love's sake, God chooses to be born as we all are and to know the life that we know. That means that God knows firsthand what it means to have family and friends, neighbors and colleagues to love and to worry about. God knows firsthand because God chooses to know firsthand the joys and the sorrows, the hopes and the heartbreaks of life. Our story today reminds us of that simple truth. Jesus had 
friends. Not just disciples, but friends. And one of them, Lazarus, dies. Jesus' response to that death is not unlike our own. He groans. He's deeply moved. He weeps. And that in itself, odd as it might sound, is actually good news for us. Because that simple truth gives us permission. Permission that it's okay if we feel a little overwhelmed and full of grief right now as we watch the news and peek out of our apartment windows and hear the sirens fill the quiet air and know that in hospitals across this city, patients are struggling, fighting for air, and doctors and nurses and public health officials are fighting to, to contain the damage of this virus. It's okay to see that and to weep. Jesus surely does. But it's not just that. It's not just that God in Christ has come close. It's not just that God weeps alongside Mary and Martha and us. No, the astonishingly good news that brings us back to this altar week after week after week is that God in Christ knows it all for himself in his own body. God hasn't just come alongside us in our pain. God shares it, knows it for himself. We are just one week away from Holy Week. The one who is resurrection and life enters the city on the back of a donkey knowing where it will take him. He gets in close, washing the feet of his friends and sharing a supper with them, and then he goes all the way, allowing himself to be handed over to the authorities and submitting himself to excruciating agony and death on the cross, gasping for air as he struggles to hold the weight of his body up until he can't. That's the God. That's the God who weeps at the grave of his friend Lazarus, one who will go there too, one who will taste death just as we all do, and all so that he might overcome it also that rising from the dead on that Easter day, he might trample death underfoot and rob it of its power once and for all. That's the God we worship, a God who weeps, a God who refuses to stay far off, a God whose love is stronger than death, and a God who holds us safe, even in the darkest of nights, even in the darkness of death itself and brings us into light and life. Friends, this is undoubtedly one of those dark nights. And we know that it's likely to get worse before it gets better. But we also know that our God is not far off. He's not uncaring, and he certainly didn't cause this pandemic as some sort of cruel punishment. No, the God that we know in Jesus Christ weeps with us, groans at the pain of those who are sick, of those who worry, of those who feel isolated or alone, and certainly of those who mourn. We look at this story from John chapter 11, and we know the truth. God weeps, God groans, and then God gets to work. Jesus goes to Lazarus' tomb, with those who love him most. He goes where the stench of death is strong, four days old, and he gets close in. 
And in raising Lazarus from the dead, Jesus reveals that the power of death, while real and fearsome, has nothing ultimately on the power of God. God weeps, God groans, and then God gets to work. And that, my friends, is true even now. God's resurrecting, life-giving spirit is at work even in these dark days. God's spirit is at work giving strength and comfort to those who are sick. God's spirit is at work giving wisdom and resilience and courage to those who are putting their own lives at risk to care for others. God's spirit is at work holding tightly those who mourn and raising the dead to eternal life. And God's spirit is at work among us too. As we work hard to stay connected and to pray with and for one another and to serve those most vulnerable among us. We are in this together. Our well-being and our healing and our future is bound up with everyone else's. The God who weeps, weeps for all. And the God whose spirit is at work is at work among them. I started by quoting that beautiful line from the psalm. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning. I know I speak for everyone here and everyone at home when I say I can't wait for this to be over. I can't wait for the pain and the fear and the suffering to be over. I can't wait to be back here in this room at this altar with all of you. But our love is nothing compared with God's. Our longing is nothing compared with God's longing. God's weeps. God groans, God longs, and then God gets to work, holding us through this dark night, through this seemingly unending Lent, until we reach the joy of Easter. For God promises that all shall be well, and if all is not well, then we're not at the end yet. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen.